Hi, I'm referee Mark Freilich. Thanks for joining me today. It's time for episode 37 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Freilich podcast. Some cool things come out of this podcast, really. Uh, my guest is Jeff Klaus, and he discusses the critical aspect of mentoring and the importance of association meetings, which, you know, with COVID the last few years, we haven't had those uh, in-person meetings. So it's been great this year to uh, be able to get back into uh, the, the in-person meetings. And he also touches a little bit upon screening, which is one of the points of emphasis for the 2021-22 uh, season. Of course, there are plenty of other great tips from Jeff throughout this podcast, and we've heard his name uh, from other officials as being a solid mentor. So uh, that's why he's considered really an excellent mentor himself. So uh, I think it's going to be an episode you're really going to enjoy. He's been, uh, Jeff was born and raised in Delphus, Ohio, and is a graduate of Delphus St. John in the year 2000. He's been a high school basketball official for 16 years. He's also working women's college basketball for the past 12 years. In high school uh, basketball, he has appeared in two Final Four high school tournaments and also has officiated in multiple NCAA conference tournament and championship games, along with being a two-time selection for the NCAA Division II as a regional official. Jeff and his wife, uh, Leslie, have four children, so he works his schedule around his wonderful family, which he also addresses how to uh, balance that life with uh, basketball officiating and his family, and he talks about that later on in the podcast. Hey, uh, Matt Kearns is owner of PQ2 LLC, and Matt is a great friend of mine. He's also owner of PQ2 LLC, and that is the major sponsor of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. You can learn more about PQ2 LLC at pq-2.com. Again, pq-2.com. For this podcast, uh, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. And uh, once you do that, then you will receive a notification on your phone uh, whenever a new episode appears so you can receive those updates. That's uh, always really nice to have when you wake up in the morning and, and you look on your phone and you see when the new episode appears. Uh, uh, so be sure to hit the subscribe button. Also, please rate and review this podcast so I know how we're doing. And finally, please tell other people about this podcast and uh, so they can hit the subscribe button and be a part of this uh, wonderful family we have going on here. And finally, if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can go to anchor.fm backslash Mark dash Fralick. Again, anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M backslash Mark dash Fralick. That's F-R-O-E-L-I-C-H. And you can click on the support button from there. And when you click on that support button, then you can click on any of the options available uh, for your for your support. I appreciate you doing that. Jeff Klaus and episode 37 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Freilich podcast is just seconds away. Enjoy the show. So the uh, basketball official that we've heard about from so many officials, remember last week when we talked to Owen Brigner, 
uh, I, t- I said I ought to get Jeff Klaus on this show because a lot of officials have talked about the influence Jeff Klaus has had on their basketball career, officials that I've had on this podcast. So naturally, right after I interviewed Owen Brigner, I got a hold of Jeff Klaus and I said, hey, I think it's time for you to be on the show or take over the show, one or the other. And uh, Jeff graciously has agreed to uh, put some of his wisdom upon the officials that are listening. So, Jeff, thanks for being a part of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. Um, I hope I have some little bit of information to pass along and nobody stole all the material. <laughs> well, before we get into anything, we want to hear from our major sponsor, which is PQ2 LLC. Uh, owned by my friend and uh, a basketball official, Matt Kern. So we'll be right back. Hey, Ref, if your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. Well, welcome back. And Jeff, talk a little bit about the season from last year. Uh, we had, you know, talked about COVID being a, a thorn in everybody's side last year, but uh, talk a little bit about the season. How it went for you? Any um, any stories that might be a little humorous or not so humorous from last year, and and maybe also something that you learned um, to help your officiating career uh, this year. Well, last last season wasn't a, was a successful one uh, for me personally, but um, with not having some mountains to overcome on my journey, um, you know, with COVID and everything else, and unfortunately, I tested positive right after Christmas time, so. It kind of put a loop for me to jump through there, but I was able to, you know, get through that, especially with the holiday season break. If I was going to get it, I guess I got it at the right time. Um, But, you know, then from Christmas on, I basically officiated most of my games with a mask on. Um, So that was something different, something I didn't really look forward to, but a lot of – schools that I was going to collegiately wise um, were basically mandating masks um, for everybody, sometimes even the players, which seems really odd. And then the high school, when I was working that, I always had a whistle bag on my lanyard. So um, that's just something that I will always remember. But, you know, we got through it. We got to be able to go through the whole state tournament. And I was fortunate enough to be selected to work one of those state final games. So, all in all, I mean, the season was was great. It ended on a positive note, but is definitely something I will never forget. But I'm hoping this next season we can move past that and and get back to some some way of being normal. I would say. Yeah, I agree, and I think most people are in favor of that. Um, you know, we always want to get the fans back in the stands. I think that's important to see the the kids, the student sections, and and everything like that. Um, You've been a, a lifelong member of, of Delphus, Ohio. Um, talk about your journey into officiating. Oh, boy. Um, my 
growing up, I was in a basketball family. Um, my mom and dad both played basketball. I had uncles that played basketball. I think Mark, you reached out to me with a with a program you had of your brothers, and and my dad was on that program. Um, so basketball has been drilled into me from from the very beginning. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to to play for Coach Brett Norris. Um, was an awesome mentor towards me, really, really hard on us, um, but tried to get the best out of us and something that has always stuck with me on that path. Um, probably my best basketball story and person that's an influence to me was my across-the-street neighbor, Coach Bob Barnson. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought me to school every day when I was a young kid. Wow. Um, so hearing the basketball stories from him and, and picking his brain and some of the memories that I just have from him of if he would call. So one of us, you know, I'm the oldest of three boys, but one of us would go over and put salt down in a softener. We'd always tell mom and dad, Hey, we'll be back in an hour because <laughs> he's going to talk basketball to us all day. Um, <laughs> And we would go over there and shoot in the in the driveway over at Bob and Alice's house. Um, you know, Bob would go to practice. He'd always make his effort to come over to us, say, "Hey, you're down too. Give me the ball, pass it to us." And if we made the shot, he you know screamed in joy that we won the state championship for the Blue Jays. Or if we missed it, guess what? Bob was the great referee, and we got fouled, so we got two <laughs> free throws to shoot. Um, but, you know, a story that Bob always told me, and I probably heard it, I would say, a hundred times, was back in the day, St. John's and LCC used to play three times a year. And he said there was one game that the score ended up one to zero in triple overtime. They're always like, Bob, how, how is that even possible? And he's like, well, there was only two digits on the scoreboard. So um, I miss that man. He was like a grandpa to me, but... Um, you know, I, I wanted to be a coach just like him and, you know, my path went a little different way. I, I started watching my younger brothers play and, you know, I was not the easiest fan probably to get along with when I was out of high school. Um, and my dad kind of looked at me one day when my younger brother was playing he said, you think you can do better? And I took that as a challenge. (laughs) And so I looked up how to take the officiating class and went over to to Rockford, Ohio, and took classes with Ron Goldman and Tim Busher, and the rest is history. Wow, that's a credit to your dad then for getting you into this, right? One hundred percent. That's that's my hero right there. Well, that <laughs> that's great. And he, is he like you? Um, in a, in a way, um, I think if you knew my whole family, um, my little brother is probably the most like my dad though we all have characteristics I have and I'm not tooting my own horn here I kind of have the work ethic as my dad I'm always wanting to do something and and work and work and work and work where my dad has the jokester side of it and I do have a little bit of that but that that's all the trait of my younger brother (laughs) yep I'm the youngest in our family so we always tend to get the uh, the jokester part because we we like to make fun of you older guys that's why So, um, you know, obviously you've been a, a huge success as a basketball official. Um, what you bring to the pregame is really important to the officials. So talk a little bit about some of the things you discuss in your pregame. Well, I mean, something different. I mean, I don't like to do the normal, like, hey, if a drive comes from the sea. I mean, we, we talk about that, though that's important, but we talk about that 
you know, all the time feels like. So what I love to do, I'm a clip person. I love to clip. I love watching plays. I love, you know, just interacting and, and seeing things visually. So I always have my iPad with me. And so I want to show plays. I want to just say, hey, what do you got on this play? And it's not to basically stump the ump kind of thing, but just to get us thinking basketball, looking at basketball plays. Um, So I always show plays. And then that kind of leads us into, hey, you know, is that clip more or less? Now do we lean into talking about trail positioning? Do we need to talk about, you know, Hey, do we need to worry about the clock situation? So I always have a play to show. Sometimes it's me most of the time, but um, like, I think you're familiar, Mark, like it was a couple of years ago where I started that whole edgify thing. Um, if people are familiar with that. It, and it was kind of like, Hey, let's look at these plays. Let's get people's opinions on plays and get people discussing plays. Cause I think that's how we get better. Um, but other than that, I mean, my pregame is more or less like I look who I'm with. Um, you know, if I'm with, I know the people that mentioned my name before, if I'm with younger officials, I'm going to try to make them feel as comfortable as possible. Cause the worst thing is going in, into a game with somebody that's not comfortable. So I'm going to basically tell, and I use this line a lot of times is I'm not going to let you screw up. I'm not going to let you kick a rule like your judgment. If you put air in the whistle, we might have to live with that, but I'm not going to let you screw up a rule. So feel comfortable. Just go out there and call your game. And if I need to come get something in front of you, we will. And it'll all work out. Um, One of my mentors, Matt Balster, who has been tremendous to me, he uses the term. We got to be great and gray. And meaning in that is there's going to be plays out here and in the course of our game, 90% of these plays are going to be so easy to call that anybody can call them. But it's that 5% that, you know, is challenging our rule knowledge a little bit. And the 5% that we got to be great in the gray area. So that's something I always try to steal. And I stole from Matt um, just to use in my pregame that, hey, if we're great and gray, we're going to be successful out here. That's fantastic. I love to hear that. I love to hear new things about pregame, and that is certainly something that we haven't heard here on the podcast, so fantastic for that. That will put an end to our pregame. Let's go to our first quarter where we will discuss mentoring. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio. And I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref, click on www.pq-2.com. So last week with Owen Brigner on the show, um, he talked about some critical mentors that he's had. 
um, Ryan Damon was one of them and the importance of having a mentor. And, uh, you know, I think every young official should have one and every, every veteran official should try to be a very good mentor. Um, your name, obviously, Jeff, comes up quite a bit with the other officials when speaking of influential officials. So I, I want to get your philosophy on that a little bit, but who was your mentor for you? And you had mentioned the name a little bit, but I'm sure there's more than one. But who was your mentor and what made that official special in your eyes? Well, you know, on the high school side, um, there's a lot of people that have been very influential to me, um, you know, with me getting a start and getting opportunities really early. I mean, you go back to, you know, me taking the class with Tim Busher, um, you know, and he was assigning the Midwest Athletic Conference at that time, gave me a, a good start working some JV games. Um, you know, Denny Morris, of course, you know, being the DOD um, and getting in front of him and working some games for him was was a huge boost in my career um you know brandon breeze brought me on as a young official as the, as his jv official so I, I was able to watch brandon work and he's on to bigger and better things now so it's nice seeing where he's went and i always kind of wanted to be okay brandon's working a varsity game you know i want to work varsity game now brandon's working college i want to work college and and so that that was a big push for me um, but the two guys that kind of reach out to me, um, you know, Clay Ehrman on the high school side has been a huge mentor for me on that aspect, kind of taking me to the next level um, where I thought I was really, really good. And then Clay is uh, a bulldog in a way, and he's going to kind of knock you down and, and but also pick you back up on the, on the high school side. And then again, Matt Balster on, on the college side, he has opened so many doors for me and put me in front of the right people and allowed me to be successful. But with, with the mentoring process, you know, I, I look at it and I think everybody needs a great mentor, but you need to find somebody that is better than you, but somebody that is not afraid to have you come take their games. And, you know, that is something that I challenge some younger officials that I reach out to is like, come take them. Um, because a, I'm not going to be doing this forever. And also it drives me. Um, I'm very competitive, but I'm going to reach out to you. If I think I see some potential in you and if you latch on perfect, if you don't, my feelings aren't hurt either. Um, but I always want people to look for a mentor. And if you can surround yourself with a group of guys gals whatever the case may be that challenge you physically challenge you mentally and you know the best story i can ever say was i worked a, a basketball game and there was a play that was brought to my attention afterwards we didn't really think about it on on the floor but it was sent to me via email and like i said back in the day i thought i, was, I thought i was pretty good so play was sent to me i'm like yeah that's not a foul and you know clay and and even you know some other officials go uh we think that he got fouled three times on the play <laughs> um so it's a gut check it mm -hmm. really is but i i've said this many times when you want to when you think you're a great play caller send a play to your mentor or people that you trust and if you have a block and they call it a charge, it's not a debate there. It's going back and watching the film again 
because everybody wants to be right, let's be honest, but going back and watching the film and saying, okay, now why did Eric or, or Brandon or Kyle or whoever the case may be, why did they call it a charge? And if you can take yourself out of that play and just watch the play again and say, okay, now I see why they called the play that way. I think you become a better play caller and it. And, and that's all goes back to the mentoring process of, you know, trusting people in order to do that for you. You know, I think already those who are listening can tell that there's a lot of knowledge here with you and, and why you're such a successful mentor, but I can I think, and I believe people will be able to tell, you're also uh, probably a no-nonsense official. Um, would you agree with that? And and you kind of tell it like it is. Um, and, and I think you found that helpful to mentor officials. Um, talk a little bit about how becoming that no-nonsense official has helped in your mentoring. I mean, I always tell people like I'm not going to sugarcoat it um, because I don't want somebody to sugarcoat it for me. Um, I want to just be upfront and honest. And I ran into a couple of times where I was honest with somebody on the floor. Like they asked me after the third quarter, how, what I thought of their block charge. And I let them know. Um, but it came back to backfire on me a little bit. And it was, of course, my whole growth with that was that now I need to pick my spots, but I always tell people, and it's a little tool I use when I'm out there on the floor is I'm not going to tell you like, Hey, you know, that was a, that was a great call when I'm, when I don't think it's a great call, but I'm going to be able to use the one tool that I love and it's called, positive reinforcement you know we always want to say you know hey let's make good eye contact let's do this let's do that but using positive reinforcement and i kind of do like the two fists together like hey that, that's a great call that was a good get because there's going to be course course time in our game where we like hey you know that was a big call or tough block charge or good moving screen or whatever the case may be and you're going to take a little bit of heat from the coach and then we're going to go oh Hey, look over at my partner and I'm going, Hey, that's a good get. You and me may have been the only two people that seen that play, but it was a great get and I'm going to need you for the rest of this game. So forget it. Let's move on. You know, you get, you got it right. Or even if you have a tough call, I'm going to look at you and say, Hey, two fists, let's pick it up a little bit, you know, tighten it up a little bit. Let's go. Um, just to kind of keep the partner involved. And I think that has, you know, worked successfully for me. Yeah. Well, that, that's great. And we talk a little bit about mentoring and giving advice, but how do you take advice? Are you, uh, uh, as a veteran official, are you willing to still accept the advice then? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, if I have worked my perfect game, I need to quit. <laughs> um, something that, you know, I admire about, you know, about Clay is Clay and I challenge each other. Um, our conversations aren't always, you know, yes and yes. Um you know, if it's Clay, Eric, and I on a, on a game and we get in the locker room, we're coming on the way home, or even we're watching it back on replay, it's, hey, I didn't like that. Or Clay's like, oh, that was a terrible call when I put air in the whistle. And I'm like, really? You know, so I, I, I love it. Um, I still go to camps, um, and I love the feedback that, you know, 
people that I work with sometimes on a, on a normal basis on the, on the college side that, you know, are my, you know, on-court clinicians and I love picking their brains. Um, I always want to be better um, because I know that during the course of time, you know, somebody reached out to me and helped me. So that gives me the power to go help another official if they're willing to learn. So please give me any, any information, feedback you got. I don't think we get it enough in the job that we do. Um, sometimes, unfortunately, it's always the, what we miss or we miss that call or whatever. We always hear the negative side of it, but if there's any way we can get positive, uh, points out there, I'm all for that as well. Yep. I agree. And that is the end of the first quarter. We will go to our second quarter where we're going to be discussing a little bit of um, advice, more advice that Jeff would give uh, to you fellow officials. So we will be right back right after we hear about PQ2 LLC. Hey, ref, objectivity, integrity, and experience, all hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. Well, welcome back to the second quarter, and uh, we just finished talking about mentoring, and among the mentoring topics that uh, would be dealing with uh, is is in coaching. So what advice, Jeff, would you give to younger officials about handling difficult coaches? You know, coaches is a real um, touchy subject, um, you know, especially being a young official, and, you know, I've had my course of run-ins with coaches, and, and now, you know, more as a veteran official, I've kind of moved to a, to a different level with them, and, 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 you know, some of them I'm even, you know, friends with off the floor, so that it's kind of, it's a little bit different. Um, I just tell young officials just, just to pick your spots, um, but to listen. Um, that's really all coaches want, is they want to be heard. Um, you know, we have a little thing where, where we say in some of our pregames, we say, hey, we want to answer questions, we want to recognize statements, and we want to penalize insanity. But my insanity is completely different than yours, Mark. Um, you know, if I'm standing in front of, you know, A's coach and he says, you know, that was a blank, blank call, and it's just to me, I'm, I'm probably okay with that. Now, if he's throwing my partner under the bus or whatever case may be now different story, but some officials have the, the button that can be pushed. If a official says the same thing to me to them, then it warrants technical foul. Um, so my best advice I've ever got with coaches. And I try to tell young officials is if they ask you a question, you can answer it. But the best advice was to then ask them a question back. Um, so if a coach goes, Hey Jeff, why wasn't that a foul down there on the other end? Number 24 got hit on the arm and I'll go, what'd you see coach? Yep. And he'll go, well, he got, got hit on the arm. Okay. 
And, you know, we get one of these a game, you know, probably to both coaches. I mean, we can't all three rotate around and say this same, this phrase that I'm about to give you, but we're allowed to miss calls. We're not going to be perfect. So I'm in front of the coach. And if we missed one, you know, that we, I know we missed or just appease him because normally that coach him or her and their questioning and call, they already think you're wrong. So the easiest way is to say, you know what, coach, if that's, if that's what happened, we missed it. We're not acknowledging that we missed it, though we are, but we're giving them if what happened was what you said happened, if that actually did happen, we missed it. And, and they move on. They forget it. You, you talked a little bit about changing your philosophy a little bit on dealing with coaches. Um, how has that changed in, in dealing with them throughout your career? Um, do you find yourself changing because you've watched other officials or just changing because of maybe age and, and maturity? I think a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm, you know, friends with some of the coaches that work around the area now. Um, and I think coaches get a little bit more of an idea of what game I like to call or just know my personality now. And Hey, like he likes to, you know, let more contact happen than a B and C official or that, Hey, he's going to be, you know, to the book. Um, but maturity is also helping on that. You know, I was, like I said, I was a little knucklehead when I was coming up and, and trying to be, you know, Mr. Know-it-all. Um, but if you can just keep your composure and have a nice, you know, demeanor about yourself, be approachable, um, coaches are going to eventually notice that and say, okay, like this guy actually knows or this girl actually knows what they're doing out here. I, I need to leave them alone. Um, and that's the flip side of, you know, some of the high school, college stuff that, you know, has even increased my, the way I talk to coaches because on the, on the high school side, yeah, you know, they're making a little money and, you know, they have a lot of time and effort in, and then you flip it to the college side and this is their livelihood. This is their job. You know, they're, they're the breadwinner of the family and you really got to like focus on that. Like, Hey, you know, I, not alone do I need to treat these people, you know, with a lot of respect, but I need to be on top of my game as well. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll head to the third and fourth quarters, followed by the post game and the five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, this is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Mm -hmm. 
So this year, as we begin the third quarter this year, the, the uh, NFHS has uh, posted some basketball points of emphasis. And uh, as we get ready for the season this year, uh, the five that they have are offici- officiating mechanics and signals, timeout administration, unsporting conduct, screening, and the Euro step spin moves and jump stops, legal or illegal. So, Jeff, um, as we hit this third quarter, let's talk about these points of emphasis. Um, anyone in particular that you want to tackle? I mean, I, I would like to talk about screens a little bit. Um, and, you know, we were fortunate enough to finally have some in-person meetings with our local association um, and, and we covered screens a little bit. Um, you know, I think the hardest screen to call, in my opinion, is the ball screen. Um, it's, it's the screen and roll. And I told uh, the group that we talked to that my telltale sign on that, just, you know, you can take it as it is, is I watch the screener's arms. Hmm. If they have their arms down and are reaching for contact, when they roll to the basket, the red flag better go up. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's a foul, but the red flag better go up. Mm-hmm. Now, if their arms are extended above their head and they're you know trying to catch a pass, no red flag. And we always use the terminology, are they sc- screening and then rolling, or are they rolling to screen? And it, it's a tough play. Um, but if you look for that offensive screener's hands when they're down there reaching for contact, that's where I'm saying that red flag should go up to say, hey, we need to take a look at this screen or how they're, how they're creating contact on, on the defender and rule accordingly. How, how do you, in your meetings, and that was a topic that uh, Owen and I spoke about last week, is um, association meetings. So in the discussion in association meetings on uh, screenings or any of these POEs, uh, in, in your meetings that you're at, are they discussions that just one person gets up and talks about, or is there a group discussion? Uh, our, our meetings are phenomenal. Um you know, you'll, you'll laugh about this, but we, we have it at, a, at like a bar tavern um, setting. Um, but it's, it's great. We're all really close. Um, and we got the big screen TV up there. And, and I'm our, our video guy since, you know, I told you I like clipping plays and seeing all this stuff. Um, but I put the video together kind of on a PowerPoint format. And, and we get up there and there's a couple of us that do lead the meeting but we're really interactive. Um, we have conversations happening from the back of the room to the front of the room and side to side. And, and, you know, we start that meeting with, with a five question quiz, uh, just to start us thinking basketball, just simple stuff. Like, like for instance, like, you know, the one topic I'll talk about is we ask like the definition of a personal foul and how many people in our association meeting, like we're like, um, 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 And the one word that, you know, we really stick out about that personal foul is that somebody has to be hindered in order for it to be a foul. And you'll find that in the definition. Um, So we talk a lot about that because we'll see a lot of calls that we'll throw up there on the big screen. And is there contact? Yes. Is all contact a foul? No. But did it hinder and prevent the offensive or defensive player from performing their natural actions? then we can defend ourselves and say it's not a foul. 
I think you're a great official if you can use definitions like that with coaches. You know, hey, coach, he's like, oh, he got hit on the arm. Coach, it didn't hinder anything that the offensive player was trying to do. It allows us to have a little bit of judgment out here, which I love. So, but the, our meetings are great. Um, you know, I can't complain, you know, we just have a really good time and, and a lot of group participation. So it, it turns out fantastic. Well, we take a look at some of the POEs uh, for the upcoming season two. And obviously mechanics and signals are uh, uh, something that should be emphasized every year. Um, this year, it looks like the Euro step is a big deal and, and unsporting con uh, unsporting conduct. I, would you agree that unsporting conduct is something that is becoming a little more common in the game? At, at times, um, though, I think it can be controlled um, as officials as much as we possibly can. Um, I mean, we always say, you know, we can we can find a turd when when it's out there, um, you know, warm it up, and you know, they got different headband on or whatever the case may be, and we got to be the uniform police on that. But you know, usually those are the players that you can identify in pregame or or you know from a previous experience or you talk with a fellow official like, hey. Number twelve, like you know, they're they're going they're going to try to create some problems. Um, but I think if we can get to players early and you know warn or or talk to or like I I was fortunate enough, like I said, to work deep into the postseason last year, and I had a player that wasn't really doing anything I would rule unsporting, but he was flopping, and. I just went up to the coach and I said, can you please tell number 14 to knock it off? And he's like, what's he doing? I'm like, he's flopping. He goes, what do you, what do you want me to say? I go, I'm just telling you, I'm not good enough to know the difference if he's flopping or if he's taking the contact. <laughs> so if he can just knock it off and not flop, if the contact happens, it's just easier for me to officiate. And it's going to go in your favor. And he was boom, right on top of it and just said, Hey, you need to knock it off. Um, but that way just allows my game and our game just to be, you know, called a lot easier if we can eliminate some of that head bob and act like they got shot out of the cannon when they're coming up the floor. I just say, knock, knock it off. I'm not good enough to know the difference. <laughs> All right. That takes care of our third quarter. We have one more quarter to go before we get into the post game of five quick decisions. In the meantime, let's hear a little bit about PQ2LLC. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. We enter the fourth quarter with a variety of questions, and Jeff is also a very successful high school football official, so this kind of 
gets into both basketball and football, but Jeff, you've been an official for a long time. What's the scariest thing to happen to you? Well, I, I thought, again, I was somebody that, you know, needed to work every night of the week. And, and when somebody asked me if I was open, I was open. Um, and myself and, and the crew of guys that I worked football with, we decided to, uh, to work some semi-pro football. Um, and it is, it's like adult babysitting at times. Um, so some of them guys that take it seriously, my hat's off to them. Um, you know, some of them work a normal job and they come out and do this, you know, semi-pro football and they got no leg pads on and everything else. But, um, one of the scariest ones, and we had, we had some people that, you know, were in disagreement of some of the rules that we were trying to apply. And um, as we were walking off, um, we physically had helmets thrown at us. So oh that was that was a little scary, though. You know, no contact was made or anything. But um, I officially retired from semi-pro football <laughs> after that. So, but um, I mean, people that do it, credit and hats off to you. I mean, it, it's just a different animal. Um, so it just it was an experience that you know I'm not mad it happened i'm not glad it happened um but just a, just a learning lesson and how to how to go about myself you know when you look at officiating we gained so much from officiating uh, as part of our lives so what what type of things do you learn from officiating that carries over into both uh your professional life and your personal life i tell you what i i, I tell everybody this i i love 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 officiating um with a passion um you know i got four young kids at home um you know some that are getting up in the high school and junior high age that you know are starting to play now and it and it influences my schedules a little bit um and but it, but it's so hard it, it's hard for me to say no to basketball games because it's like quitting a job um but i know i need to do the dad thing i know i need to be there for my kids um, but you know, the number one thing that I'll, I'll, you know, take from, you know, officiating and, and is you have to have a great support system at home in order to do this and hats off to my wife, Leslie, she is, she's my rock. Um, she, you know, is basically a single mom from, from now until mid March. Um, you know, football's not as crazy. Um, I do a little bit of baseball too, but basketball is my, my go sport. And, you know, when I, you know, go to work at six o'clock in the morning and at two 30, I come home and I'm in the shower and boom, I'm off to a game somewhere. And then I'm home at, you know, midnight and I wake up at six in the morning, do it, do it again. There there's days that unfortunately I know this is going to be a sob story, but there's, there's days in a row, maybe a week that I may not see my kids awake. Um, you know, it's a, it's a choice that I make. Um, you know, I don't have to do that. I'm not telling people to do that. And, and, you know, you have your own lives to live, but I, I cherish my, my time with my kids and my family. Um, but I, I take my hat off to them. And I've always told my wife that when she said it's enough, I've had enough. Um, I could stop. I could, you know, pull back on my schedule a little bit. And I look back out on it and I'm like, 
am I going to miss the games? Yeah, I'll I'll miss the games, all right. But I'll I'll miss the phone calls after my games. I'll miss the rides with my partners. I'll miss stopping and and grabbing a beer and some wings. I'll miss that stuff a thousand times more than I'll miss actually working the game. So just, you know, my two cents on it. Um, but that's how I feel. Yeah. And we'll get into that brotherhood in a little bit, bit, but, um, it is, there's a rumor, um, about St. Leslie, uh, your wife. And, um, is it true that she makes your schedule or helps make your schedule and packs your bag before every game? 100%. Um, <laughs> You know, her, her situation has changed a little bit. Um, she took a new job, so it kind of limits now what she does. Um, but I'll tell you what, Mark, she, even if I get home from a game, um, you know, she'll sit at home and because she's, you know, a basketball junkie like me, she'll watch my games if, if they're live streamed. Um, and then, you know, once I get on the in the car and get her on the horn, she'll be like, I, I didn't like that call you made in the sixth minute, Mark. <laughs> so, like I tell people, if, if my wife's allowed to yell at me, I guess you are too. So, fair enough. But, no, she, she's great. Um, you know, people are going to make fun of me that, you know, she she kind of is on top of my schedule. Um, and it, it's more or less, I'm just, I'm so crazy busy, but I do it to myself. Um, you know, I give her some sort of crap at times that, you know, Hey, you didn't have to accept all those games, um, but but she does. She knows I love doing it. Um, it makes a huge difference on me allowing to do things for my family with the extra income that we have. Letting my kids have a fantastic Christmas at times, you know, maybe going on a family vacation. Um, so all this officiating stuff eventually goes back to them. I do it for the fun. Um, you know, I steal this line from Matt Balster too. Is you know, he goes, I do it for the kids. I do it for my kids. So, <laughs> well, that's fantastic, and that's a very, very special relationship you and Saint Leslie have. And I think, and I, I notice I say Saint Leslie all the time because she's got to be a saint to do all of this. And she, <laughs> she may have terrible judgment in marrying me, but she is a saint. So fair enough. <laughs> Oh, shoot. That's great. Well, that, that's great. That's a great example for, uh, again, you know, this this podcast is for the officials, and that's a great example for the officials as well uh, to see how things like this in family life work. So I think that's great. That also is the end of our fourth quarter. Let's head to the post game. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. So our post game, um, Jeff, we talked a little. You talked a little bit about how the the fun is. Um, really the things that you would miss in officiating if you gave it up were the, uh, the, the things after the game. 
And that is really a special bond when we talk about all of the friends that we've made in officiating. So talk a little bit about that special bond that we have uh, for all the people that wear the stripes. Well, I, I just think it's an accepted practice. Um, you know, there are people that, you know, and I've, I've told this to somebody the other night, you know, you know, you get my name mentioned on this podcast a couple of times, but there's people that, you know, do like, me as a person but there's also people that just don't like my personality and that's okay but i'm still going to go out there and and we're going to work a game on a friday night at a b and c school and and we're going to we're going to do a great job and and you know i'm not going to hold any grudge against you if you you know don't like me on a personal level um but we we're there to do a job so but i'll tell you what you know I tell everybody this is surround yourself with people that bring out the best in you. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a great, you know, high school relationship with a lot of people. I mean, there's probably too many names to even mention or this podcast would go on for hours. <laughs> um, but you know, you know, and, and Eric Schwab, um, you know, is, and a Jordan Pingle, um, you know, that have done some, a lot of high school games with me, just, you know, great guys, great officials, Brian Fuca, another one that just, you know, I could call him on a drop of a dime and, and we're going to talk basketball all day. I mean, we talk for hours and it's just, it's a great relationship. You know, then I look at the college side and we have our little clique called the Wolfpack, you know, th those guys, when we get on the horn mark after our ball games and we're all at a different site and we all call in, we call like, we actually call into this radio show, but it's my one, my one buddy just running the whole thing and everybody's adding calls and everything else. But <laughs> you just sit back and listen to people and laugh and, you know, it makes your drives, you know, if you have an hour or whatever drive, it makes your drive go so much faster. Um, those are things that I will, I will cherish uh, until I don't do this anymore. Um, but, you know, the one thing, you know, we talk about the brotherhood is, I take a step back right now because I this past football season and now now he's into basketball is my 14 year old son Braden is is licensed to become an official now. Oh wow! Um, so it, it's great. I get to work some youth football games on Sunday with him, and there there's nothing better. I, I thought I I reached the pinnacle of of my officiating with working some state games and you know working some postseason in, in the college ranks, but working with your son and having him look up to you. And, and somebody took a picture of us the other day and we're standing out there on the football field and we have the same exact pose. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, it was, it was unreal. Um, you know, I, I hope he sticks with it. You know, football was a little easy for the Sunday games and, but he's an active kid. And I, I told him, I go, Bray, just do, do you, man. I don't, don't think, you know, that this money that you're seeing right now flashing in front of your face, it's nice. But I, I want you to play. I want you to play football. I want you to play basketball. I want you to play baseball. We can do this officiating thing on the side or, or do it when you get older. But, um, you know, hopefully he's he's got a good mentor to look up to. But I'm, I want to put him in front of a lot of different people because things that work for me, I know not everything's going to work for Braden or anybody listens to this podcast. It's just take a few things, try it with your game. And if it works, fantastic. Use it. You know, nobody has it copyrighted. But in the same sense, if it doesn't work for you, forget it and, and move on and find something that does. So, 
in this part of your career where you've been doing this for quite some time, um, where is it do you feel like, in basketball anyways, that you need improvement? And and how do you go about improving that part of your game, even as a veteran? I, I know it's it's got to be patience. It's patience on my whistle. It's patience on call selection. It's patience on, you know, how I respond to – um, to a coach, to a player, to an assigner. Um, you know, I was given, you know, Clay gave me a couple of books to read about verbal judo. Um, mm-hmm. Just to try to, like, really think about what I'm going to say before I'm going to say it. And I'm a quick-witted person. I'm just going to blat it out right away. <laughs> um, but I use that, you know, in my personal life and even you know when i go back into officiating i want to be able to you know okay yeah i handled that right i don't want to be like i shouldn't have said that um you know and and even my call selection like watching the play from start develop and finish other than judging on the play really early and i'm like damn it now i now i basically rewarded the defense are fouling and I can't give the person, you know, two shots because I put air in the whistle too early. And it's just, you know, that, that's just something I, I know I always can get better on, um, along with my communication with my partners, but I, I strive, like I told you, I'm, I'm competitive. I, I strive for that. So there's anybody that I like look up to and there's tons and tons of people that I do is I just try to pick their brains and pick things they do out on the floor and positioning wise or, or, you know, mechanically and just try to put that in my game to see if that can increase my, you know, my patient level anyway. Hey, we're almost through. We've got one more segment to go. The five quick decisions. We will be right back. Hey ref. PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Officials cite relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. The five quick decisions. Here we are. And uh, Jeff, I know you know the first question because we ask it every time. But as you know, we're fed often on Friday or Saturday nights. What is the best food you've received at a base basketball or football facility since you're a football official what's the best food you've ever received at a at a school facility well before i get into my answer i'll tell you right now that any school that gives me food or or just officials food you know gatorades candy bars a towel after the game is is much appreciated Absolutely. so if there's any game administration people out here Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yep. Um, you know, there's been plenty of times on, on the football side where, you know, me or one of my crew members just forgets a towel. You don't know how far, like, a towel goes when you, you're trying to get done with the game and get a shower and get out of there. So um, thank you for that. 
Um, probably the best I've ever received. And, you know, I, I debated on this a little bit is, you know, like when I was coming up the ranks and, and Dr. Morris allowed me to go work with him at Finley and <laughs> we got Texas Roadhouse brought into our locker room. So I cannot complain about that at all. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, that's pretty special, no doubt about it. You know, and for the people that are out of state, I get this question uh, a lot or comment a lot that um, they really don't understand why we get food all the time. And we don't all the time get food, but I'll tell you, even just getting it to the game and having a towel, uh, soap, shampoo, your check, and the uh, maybe a couple of candy bars all of the, those little things are just uh, real important i think for for us to, when we get there to show how much we're appreciated so oh absolutely absolutely yeah, i mean yeah. i have to give a shout give a shout out to bj at, at uh, temple christian i mean you get in there and you have a little a note an envelope in there with your check and a thank you letter for coming to their facility yep. and a towel and he's got a goodie basket of candy bars and gum and and then you get, you know, your own like shampoo and, and soap and a towel. And I mean, it's, it's, you're treated like royalty. And like, you know, for a small school like that, I'll come back there and work every week if you're treated that way. And I think yeah. it, it goes a long way if you're looking at a game administration side of it um, for these officials that, you know, like, hey, you know, you're not in this little like janitor's closet. Like we got chairs and water and Gatorade and all set up for you. I, I think it's a fantastic setup for them. Yep. To follow that up, then, uh, question number two, what's the best place that you have gone after a game and why? i tell you what, I, I kind of broke this down a little bit. Um, if, if I'm local and I'm, I'm close to home, um, I'll give Delphos a little plug. I'm, I'm going to the Top Chalet and getting a sauerkraut pizza. A sauerkraut um, pizza? Uh, don't knock it till you try it, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to be at the Top Chalet. It has to be at the Top Chalet. All right. So next, next, next time you're close, we're doing it. All right. That sounds uh, good to me. <laughs> but, you know, if I'm on the road, um, you know, and this will hit close to my college buddies, is is we go to the Rusty Bucket and get a buffalo chicken sandwich. That sounds like an Ohio State trip. It, it very well could be. Very yeah. well could be. Yeah, that's uh, – I've been to the Rusty Bucket. That's that's really, really good. Yeah, and, and, Clay, and Clay would smack me if I didn't mention it. If you're if you're around the Antwerp area, you stop and get some curly homemade curly fries too. <laughs> okay. If there's one rule that you could change in high school basketball, what would it be? You know, I debated on this one a little bit too. Um, you know, I think it's easy to say shot clock because I deal with it on the college side. But you have to really think about the shot clock is it's not so much, you know, getting the pace of play. A lot of it, and we run into trouble on the college side, is the person running the shot clock. It can really ruin your game if you really think about it. Yep. Um, but the one thing that I love that we do on the college side is we clear fouls after every quarter. Huh. Um, now, we only we shoot fouls at, at five, so we don't have to get all the way to seven. But what's nice about it and clearing the fouls after each quarter. So if you come out there and, you know, you got a lot of people that, you know, are handsy or want to bang a little bit, we get some quick fouls in that first quarter. Well, then when we go to our second quarter, now we shoot free throws on everything Hmm. in the high school level Mm -hmm. where where collegially we wipe them out after every quarter. And it just seems to let the game flow a little bit better. So that would be one thing I would I would urge them to 
look into or if I had the power, I would change. All right. Question number four. Uh, Jeff, you have had the chance. Some great person came to you and said, Jeff Klaus, you get to change the officiating uniforms. What are you going to do? Well, this was easy for me, and I'm I'm not a jacket guy anyway, so I would just eliminate the jackets permanently. Um, I, you know, we don't wear them here where we're from during the regular season. We catch a little bit of grief about it, um, but I would just I would do away with the jackets. That's simple enough. I thought you were going to say we should be wearing shorts on the basketball floor. Well, that's what my daughter wanted me to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to be honest with you, like there's. Like I know Brett Roberson, like he doesn't know. Like I'm, I have under my right. attire, I got tights on, I got shorts on. I, I have to have the whole thing, and I like to get a little bit of sweat, so the shorts wouldn't work for me. Yeah, and you know, guys like me, we have to wear the knee braces and all that stuff, go. and then that would just be more flack that we would get from fans. You're, you're exactly right. All right, last question: What's the funniest thing a player, coach, or fan ever said to you? Oh, I've, I've had my fair share of, of fan interactions and, and coaches and stuff, but, um, you know, I'll name drop him here just because we're at the end of this podcast. And I think I'm out of, out of the water, but, um, Frank Kill from LCC, God love him. I, I have a great relationship with Frank. He's a little fiery. People don't understand him sometimes on the floor cause he can be a handful. Um, but I was working for a game for him and one of his, it was down on the far end, so it was away from his bench side, and and I saw his player's jersey get ripped out of the back of his like shorts, and I. But the problem is, Mark, I didn't know who grabbed it. I didn't know if it was his teammate or if it was an opponent or or what. So I no called it, and it didn't really affect anything. But it was in front of God and everybody, so of course Frank sees it, and so we get down in the fourth. Unfortunately, I'm C in front of Frank, and he's, you know, in my ear going, do you see his jersey get grabbed out? And I'm like, yes, Frank, I, I did. And he goes, it went like this, and Frank just grabs the back of my jersey and just rips it out of the back of my pants. <laughs> like, Frank, you can't do that. And he goes, he goes, well, apparently they can on the floor, so I can too. So that was, that was a good chuckle him and I had. Oh my goodness! You know, imagine the guys that have the uh, the shirt stays. Exactly. <laughs> that, that wouldn't exactly. that wouldn't look very good, would it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you finally uh, putting uh, putting the name of Jeff Klaus on the podcast. Is uh, that's where it needs to be, and we appreciate you coming on to the show and and giving us your wisdom that really has had an effect on a number of officials and I hope uh, even more officials have been able to um, take what you have and, and uh, implement some of these things onto their game. So thanks a lot for being a part of the podcast. Thanks Mark for having me. Like I said, any, anything I can do to help a younger official, you just have to reach out to me, find me on a varsity game or, or whatever the case may be. And, and I'm, I'm always willing to help, but I, I'll, I'll leave you with just find a mentor, watch film on yourself and have a blast doing it. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile. And God bless.